0: Welcome to Invest Like a Girl, the podcast dedicated to helping women tap into the latest in crypto and the world of female entrepreneurs. I want to empower you to invest in your financial freedom. Doesn't matter whether you're a seasoned investor or you're just wanting to dip your toes in. We've created this podcast for you. I'm your host, Ella Maloney-Cook. Today's guest on the podcast is Christina XE, a powerhouse female in business. In 2012, Christina won Project Runway Australia. In 2020, XE Studios was created, a sustainable activewear brand recently rolling out five stores across Australia and can be shopped in the iconic style runner. In this episode, we go behind the brand and the story of how EXI was created. We also tap into how to create an authentic marketing strategy and what it is like to be a creative director. Christina, EXI, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Now, it's been a minute since we've caught up. We last saw each other at the launch of XC in Pacific Fair? We did. Very randomly. (laughs) What a crazy 12 months it's been for you.
1: It really has. Um, It's been a a ride, that's for sure. Mm.
0: Now, something that we ask every guest on the podcast is if you had $1,000 right now,
1: where would you invest it? I would invest it in a... Probably a personal development course, (laughs) which is what I usually do. I love that. Invest it in yourself. Yeah, 100%.
0: Before we dive into XE, I want to know, I want to get the behind the scenes of you and how you got into the world of
1: fashion. It goes way, way, way back to a very long time ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, My first introduction to fashion was when I moved to Melbourne from Ocean Grove. I'm from the coast of Victoria and I had a friend when I was living in Ocean Grove who was a model and she was on a TV commercial and they showed it at our school assembly and I thought to myself, that is just so cool. I really need to know this girl. I need to be friends with her and she kind of opened up my eyes to a world that I didn't know existed mm. or that was achievable. And so when I went to Melbourne, I enrolled myself in a modelling school and that's kind of where my love for fashion begun. Mm. And then separate to that, as I started to get a little bit older, I was approached by a fashion designer who had a children's wear brand as I was walking down the street and um, she approached my friend and I and she said you're wearing my top Um, I designed that and I think I was about 10. (laughs) She's like do you want a model for me and I was like yeah I do (laughs) mind you I was so little and I had to ask my mum and she said yes and I got to see inside the designer's studio and how she worked and I said to her that I wanted to be a designer and she just said, you know, you're so young, like kind of, you know, wait and see. But ever since then I knew that that was what I wanted to do and that's, yeah, the only thing that I could think about.
0: That's amazing. I love that you were just walking down the street.
1: Same. And I my modelling career hadn't really taken off. I just did a course and did like one of those – like diplomas in you know how to be a model and posing in front of the camera and all that stuff so there was nothing that really came out of it apart from learning about it and then yeah I didn't I didn't uh sign to an agency I just continued with my life and then that happened so that was really special and just really random but so aligned to exactly what I wanted to do
0: and I guess it's kind of cool that you saw the other side of the fashion industry because it's very different
1: it is. Yes. Being a model and being in front of the camera is very different to being behind the scenes. And I wasn't really like, I love being in front of the camera and I was very confident. And, you know, I just, cause I loved uh, growing up, I was a dancer and a gymnast. So I was used to being a bit of a show off and that's what I was trained to do as well. So it wasn't scary for me to stand in front of a camera, but I definitely was thinking to myself that there was more to it like there was the depth and the intelligence that you needed to be able to, you know, construct a garment or whatever it was. I didn't actually know at the time, but, yeah, that was really fascinating.
0: And then where did you go to school after that?
1: I went to an all-girls school and learnt sketching and illustration there, and I think I was about 14 when I started at that school, maybe Mm -hmm. 15, and then I ended up finding a, a school I used to just search online or search I can't even remember how I searched I don't even know if the internet was around but I would um I would search look and look for fashion schools and I found the Melbourne School of Fashion mm. and I was like okay I'm gonna go there so I took my mum and I said can can you come with me we're gonna have a meeting with the principal and she came with me and I enrolled there and then I started doing a certificate in fashion design so I learned like everything like sketching I was still in high school so I was doing it whilst I was in high school uh and learned yeah all different types of things in design just to understand what it all meant Mm. and that was a really great place to be because there were all these people who were like you know in their 20s and 30s and I was like this 16 year old just being like part of it as well which yeah it was for them it was a little bit Not strange, but they were like, this girl's really eager. And I remember one of the guys in the class saying, if you make it, I think he said when you make it, he was like, don't forget me. So I think I made an impression on him. And then
0: uh, how did you get into runway?
1: I got into RMIT, which was a four-year degree uh, in fashion design. And then I did a third year exchange program in New York City. So one of the girls, when I was in first year, one of the girls in third year was doing her exchange program. And I was like, I have to go to New York City. So I did that. And then I was approached whilst I was in New York City by the, uh, I think it was the casting director from Project Real My Australia. And they I actually don't know how they even got my email address but they did. They were like, "Oh, we're casting for Project Runway. You know, would you be interested in applying?" And I said, "I'm still studying. I'm at I'm in New York at the moment, but when I come back, like let's touch base next year because I still want to I want to finish my degree and I wasn't interested in taking a year off." And so I got back to Australia the year after I did my final year of university and then they contacted me. And then I auditioned in front of Alex Perry and all the production people like the casting director and I think it was like I can't remember exactly who was there but there was about five people there mm-hmm. and I, I brought in five of my models all of them had like blonde bobs and they were all wearing my collection and then I auditioned and got in so yeah what an experience it was that was really exciting I was so excited, but I was also, like, unsure, you know, what the outcome would be. Like, they invited me to audition, but there was no guarantee that I would get in. Mm. So I was like, oh, like, we'll just see what happens. And, yeah, and then I got in. And then you won. And then I won. Seems really simple. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, (laughs) I can't say it was, like, a breeze. Do you Um, think that helped you, your career? Yes, I do. Mm. I definitely, I guess, graduating from RMIT, I had a job in the industry uh, before Project Runway as a milliner and I was doing couture headpieces for a bridal wear brand called Mariana Hardwick and that was piece work. So I was in the industry doing creative work. No one knew who I was. I was very confident, you know, my abilities, um, when I graduated and perhaps like maybe too confident that I would be getting some like crazy good job, you know, or whatever it may be. And, you know, that didn't happen. So after graduating from Project Runway, sorry, after winning Project Runway and then doing my collection, I kind of was sprung board into the industry. And then, you know, everyone knew who I was. Like I was going to bars, people were asking for my signature and it was just like kind of, being known all of a sudden and then being respected all of a sudden in the fashion industry uh, as a you know fresh graduate Mm. so yeah I think that really helped and then when I got my first job there was a lot of respect there as well so yeah Mm. it was good what a journey girl (laughs) yep lived a couple of lives
0: (laughs) and now let's fast forward to when you started XE what was Mm -hmm. the vision behind the brand
1: the brand was created to help women step into their strength or unleash their inner badass. The, the slogan was unleash your inner badass and to make the world a better place. I think there's two things that really resonate with me and that's empowering myself and people around me. That's a value that I have and that's something that I've been told throughout my career that I'm someone that empowers people and supports them. And so I wanted to show that value and that uh, mission through my product and through my brand mission statement as well, like beyond the product, um, you know, how we communicate to our customers and our audience. And then the Make the World a Better Place was mostly to do with the sustainability aspect of the product itself. So how do I create a product within the fashion industry that's so flooded with so much product that has a point of difference, it's well-designed, it's good quality, it's made from recycled yarns, we have ethical practices within our factories. Basically touching on as many points as I can that makes the brand sustainable and ethical yep. it's a never-ending thing um, and that's what I strive to do every day that's what I started and that's what I'm continuing to do
0: and I think that really does come across even from the beginning when I first saw your brand to now your branding you've stayed so true to your authenticity of your values and it really like your badass content that you come out with is original and it's true to you. And I think that's something that a lot of brands struggle with.
1: Thanks. It's, it's nice to know that it does shine through sometimes, you know, if you're so close to the brand, it's hard to see it from an outsider's perspective. So it's good to, to have that validated.
0: And so when you launched the brand, what kind of planning went behind before you pressed go?
1: I had quite a few years of experience under my belt. So I really understood how fashion and business works throughout the whole process. So that was a big win for me. I think I applied that in my planning process through like the order in which I did everything. So There was a lot of product development. Um, Before the product development, I did a lot of brand work. So I really looked at, um, you know, what the brand is, what we stand for, what's missing in the market, uh, you know, what's the value proposition that I'm going to provide to differentiate ourselves within a a, um, flooded market. And so that's kind of... Lots of the work that I did, uh, and then whilst I was doing that, you know, I had a pretty good idea of what the product was going to be. That to me comes quite easily, so you know, I designed that pretty quick. Like, got the samples into, uh, you know, a, a good state to fit and to uh, give comments to the factories, and got that into production. Whilst I was doing that, whilst the garments were in production, I built my website and uh, all the back-end and operational aspects of the business. So, you know, that was like setting up the business, the company, the trademarks, the, uh, you know, all the pricing, um, the price architecture of the collections, you know, how we benchmark in the market. There was all that work that went on. It took me about uh, maybe I started planning in about June 2019. That's when I started sampling. And by, I think it was December 2019, I had launched the website, Big Product. So it, I did it pretty fast. Yeah.
0: And there's a lot of work that goes behind that.
1: Let's just say I didn't have a life.
0: <laughs> you really didn't. I know you didn't. No. <laughs> And you've been able to achieve what normally takes years and years for brands to achieve. What do you think has been the driving
1: success behind the brand of XE? My dedication and sheer work ethic. <laughs> I really think that's what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, obviously, you know, like I knew what I was doing Um and I had already had a business prior to XE. So I had a lot of, um, trial and error experience and (laughs) knew what not to do. And I kind of doubled down on everything that I knew was right. Mm. I think that's definitely what helped. Um, and you know, I think having the right people around, um, it's almost like it just fell into place. So, perfectly like it was really challenging but then I just look back and I'm sure all of us look back at times and piece, you know see how the puzzle pieces together and it just sometimes blows my mind like to know you know the timing and the people that I had along the way and then it all just lined up yeah into it happening very fast
0: and what would you say the biggest fear is that you had to overcome in business
1: self-belief I was scared that I could, like, I'm confident, but there is that voice inside me, um, which I'm happy to say, I don't hear so much these days, but at the beginning it was, you know, can I do this? Am I able to do this? Um, You know, do I have the ability to be great? Mm. It's almost like I was in my own way and that, and I think the fear is getting out of your way to know what you're capable of doing. It can be scary to fly. I think that is the, the biggest thing um, for me. Mm.
0: And so let's talk about the changes that XE's had over the last two, 12 months. So you now have five stores across Australia. Yes. Let's Let's talk through how we kind of came to there.
1: So at the beginning of 2020 I merged with a very big retail group in fact it's the biggest footwear retailer in the southern hemisphere and what they do best is retail and so when we merged or when I merged the decision was would open up stores and that was right from the beginning of the conversation so that meant I had to change, like, the whole business model. You know, I was working solo. Uh, I did everything myself. I had to create a structure of, you know, I had to design the team structure to what a retail business would look like. I've got experience in this, so I knew exactly who I needed. Um, it was just finding the right talent. So, you know, I, I designed the team and hired everyone I knew that I needed to be able to operate as a retailer. And then after that we started to design the store. So I worked with an architect and, um, I started to conceptualize like what the store would look like. And after a few meetings and me photoshopping interiors, um, which was a bit of fun, we finally came up with a concept and it was really tight. Like the time frame was incredibly tight. You know, I was doing that whilst I was hiring a team whilst I was designing all the collections for retail stores. So I went from designing, you know, fortnightly drops to designing weekly drops that were like triple the size alone. I was doing all the tech packing, all the you know the technical work and the fitting and it was it was really intense. Like I can't say that I had a moment in my life apart from when I was sleeping or working out that I wasn't working <laughs> cuz there was just so much to do. Um and then yeah, so
0: That's an immense amount of pressure, girl.
1: It was a lot, like, a lot of pressure um, to, you know, to, to kind of, like, again, like, I have worked on stores before. I have worked on floor plans. I was working as a a designer and also doing VM for Rhodes and Beckett. So it's not like it wasn't something that I kind of had an idea about. I think it was just being so heavily involved in the process and, like, you know, designing the stores and the floor plans and, like, where everything would go and, um, you know, how it would be VM'd, like, doing that and doing it really fast, like, when you don't have, I guess, one store to test it for long enough because you need to make sure you got all the fixtures lined up for the next stores. You don't get the opportunity to like really try <clears> out. <throat> so I think that was like probably the most challenging thing in that process. Um, but yeah, we did it. We we opened up the stores literally bang, 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 bang. <laughs> like did you have all, a pinch me one moment a moment When they opened? I think the pinched me moment was yeah, I think there was a couple of moments. The first moment was my office that got built because that was stuff like that I'm sitting in right now. This is like a store in itself, um, you know, the showroom, having the logo on the front. That was a pinch me moment, uh, especially, you know, starting off in my second bedroom and filling up the house with boxes of product. The second pinch me moment was definitely the first store, uh, just looking at it finally built and going in there and bumping in and being the person to merchandise the store and just being like, okay, this is all the product I've designed. I've designed the store, like done the pallets, designed the mannequins. Like even the mannequins was based off my friend, uh, one of a model who's worked for me before I got her measurements and replicated the body shape of her. Like they're all custom built. Uh, So yeah, it was even now, like I just, it's kind of surreal.
0: Mm. thinking about
1: it. Because
0: everything happened so quickly, right? Because you launched in December 2019.
1: Soft launch. I probably Soft. launched in January 2020.
0: And when did they
1: when did they approach you? November 2020. Yeah. yeah. That's it wild. was like yeah it was really fast. It was like unexpected but I kind of manifested it in a strange way. <laughs> like, before. S- Yeah, I'm going to ask, did
0: you see the vision of your brand
1: going into stores? I did, yeah, right from the beginning. Before I even created the brand, I made a decision of what kind of brand I wanted it to be and I wanted it to be a big commercial brand. I've been in high-end before. I've been in dr- in couture uh, you know, like in Demi and I'd done this high-end work and I knew that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be, you know, in my studio pattern making every day and sewing on the machine. Like I wanted to be able to scale it to something that was bigger than me, bigger than something that I could almost detach myself from if I had to. Mm. Um, and, yeah, that's essentially what it is today. So it's important to set the vision from the beginning Hmm. in my, in my experience, but you know, things can grow as well. Like if, if, you know, the vision isn't to do that, it can get there anyways.
0: And so what's next for XE?
1: I think there's so many things that I would like to do for XE. I think the main thing is to establish ourselves as a brand within the market And I know that might sound odd considering we are in the market, (laughs) but I don't feel like we've gotten to a point yet that people actually know who we are, like everyone knows who we are. So sometimes, you know, I'll go to a store and I'll be looking around the store and, you know, just being anyone uh, to a customer and I will hear people walk past and be like, "Ah, oh, what's this? I haven't heard of this before. What's Exi? And then they come in and they don't know what it is. And for me, I would really like people to know what the brand is. Uh, I love that they're coming in, you know, and they're drawn to the brand if, you know, they've never seen it before. But I think there's a bit of a lack of presence still within the market. So that's my biggest goal to to make people um, know who we are and also Try the product on mm-hmm. for the first time. Fall in love with the product. Become part of our community. So I think that's the the next phase for Exi.
0: I bought my mom a blue set from Pack Fair, and she gets so many compliments as being my sister. Like she loves it—the blue, <laughs> bright blue—and she's just like rocking it. I was like, "Get it, mom!
1: You look hot." I love that. <laughs> she is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: If you had three pieces of advice for someone wanting to start a brand or a
1: business, what would you say to them? Be prepared to work incredibly hard. It's not an easy ride. Mm. (laughs) I think, you know, I'm very much like someone who likes to jump into things uh, without a plan, but I think a business plan is actually really important especially the finances. I think the financial side of things is incredibly important. It's crucial to the success of a business. Um, I think working with someone, you know, if you're not good in finance, someone who is, and that really understands it. And that's someone you can trust as well. Yeah. And then I think when it comes to partnership, to be really clear on what you want that to be like, I know far too many people who've gone into partnerships and not been happy and, you know, not succeeded. Perhaps the brand hasn't even succeeded after they've had to split the partnership. So I think if you don't have that person that you can really trust or like you want to go into business with, I'd say do it by yourself. I wouldn't even think about getting it, getting into a partnership with someone. Because it's, yeah, likely that it wouldn't end up positive. Mm -hmm. Um, I could go on and on, but those are probably my three top ones.
0: Yeah, and I, I really relate to those three. And I feel like also in business, it can be really lonely. So I think one of the biggest things that I've seen watching your journey is your mindset and the people that you surround yourself with. And I think that really sets you apart. From other brands, is you do you really do follow through on your community, and also I also think that a lot of brands try to crop copy each other, whereas you've really stuck true to what your mission is from the very get go, even though you've been like you've now got this crazy brand and everything's taken off, it's still like it's still what I remember when you
1: first started. I think, um, that's really important what you've just said. I find the connection, like the direct connection with my audience is really important. I'm actually on the other side of the messages on Instagram. So probably no one knows that, but I want to know what's going on. I want to know what they're saying and I want to have the conversation with them and I want to go to store and serve them like and be completely connected because that's another thing. Perhaps some founders do really step back and lose uh, that connection and under, true understanding of who the customer is and what they want and what they're saying and, and all of that because, you know, you can get that information through your teams or it can come through customer service or wherever, but it's kind of not the same until mm. that emotion's there and it's, like, from the person who's saying it. Mm. I find that really helps.
0: A hundred percent. Now let's talk about your branding and marketing. I like How do you stay true and very original in your authentic branding?
1: I think it comes down to me and how I envision the brand, which can be good and it can be bad. I think the good part is that it is authentic. Sometimes me being the person behind the brand and being so authentic can perhaps isolate the brand from the Australian consumer I think sometimes I can be quite forward thinking in my aesthetics and my ideas and it might be suited to say America or Europe um, but I find the Australian customer might be a bit more conservative and I have come to terms with that but also I don't want to um, not be authentic because of that so I guess it's finding that middle ground. Uh, so I always go back to, you know, who the exy consumer is merged with that superhero fantasy girl, that badass, you know, sh- the way that I see it and, you know, my vision of the exy muse is a superhero. She's... Mm-hmm. You know, probably in a video game with like flying from building to building, like just absurd. But that's like the type of aesthetic that that comes from my mind. I and see it's, that.
0: <laughs> it's like, I can envision this like cartoon of you, just like in this like little comic book, like with her boxing gloves on.
1: <laughs> yes like, pow, <laughs> and that's exactly like, I would want our community to feel like that. Like they can smash through any perception that comes their way, you know, just be powerful. And that's, that is almost like, you know, superhuman, but it's not like, it's all within us. Um, so I guess it's that, that merging um, of the aesthetics and Not being too costumey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, 100%. And I think what's important of what you just touched on is reflecting back to your persona and stepping into that female that you're speaking of and being like, okay, I know what my brand is and my aesthetic is, but is the exy girl also going to appreciate that? Like, can she walk down? Because obviously in Australia, like there's some things that you can get away with. And then there's some things like people like double look and you're like, do you think you're in LA? (laughs)
1: exactly especially in the exactly. Gold Coast
0: I mean Melbourne you can get away with a lot more
1: you reckon I think that oh I don't know I, I guess I haven't spent too much time in the Gold Coast to really know but I do find uh when I was at PAC fair and I've been there a couple of times I saw mm-hmm. this girl and she was wearing a a bodysuit, and I was like wow <laughs> like that's the exy girl yeah and I can't say I've seen her here but maybe I'm maybe I'm not looking Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so what are you most excited about for the rest of 2022 for XE?
1: I think the brand awareness piece is probably the most exciting thing. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. I'm excited to get out there and be the face of the brand and talk about the story of the brand. This is something that I didn't have time to do last year. And I think it's time for everyone to know that there is someone driving the brand it's not this huge organization it actually is me mm. and that I think has gotten lost I've had people come into the stores and, and who've become friends of mine who've bought Exe and and now we you know have a relationship and they're like I would have never have thought that you were behind the brand like where are you you know I don't see you so there's work around that, you know, how do I tell the story in the store? How do I talk about my story and how, you know, that connects with XE and then people can put a face to, to the name.
0: I think that's really important too. I used to work as a VM for Q and they did huge trainings when you you joined them around you know what their history was and why they've got a point of difference in the market and it's really what you use on the shop floor and that's yeah. what you communicate of like why the price is what it is because it's made in Australia and we've got these European fabrics etc but people mm-hmm. knew who the founders were and they really knew that it was a family-owned business and I think even as being a a worker for them you really took pride in that and I think it really showed in their branding and how they communicated with their marketing. So I'm so excited for what you've got planned for the rest of the year. And thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It means a lot to me. Thank you um, so much. No, thank you <laughs> so And you've kindly give the listeners a discount code, which is invest 20, which you'll receive 20% off. So I'm going to link everything down below. Um, And I just wanted to leave it, what would you say to a girl
1: who maybe needs a little bit of inspiration at the moment? I think dream big and believe in yourself. Mm.
0: I love that. Your story (laughs) is amazing, honestly. You should
1: be so proud of yourself, girl. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And thank you for letting me share it on your amazing podcast. I can't wait to share this everywhere. (laughs) i'll talk to you soon talk to you soon
0: thank you so much for listening to the show don't forget to follow us on the gram at investlikeagirl.io talk to you soon and see you in the next episode